Welcome to church. Good morning. I'm going to find out where my amen corner is, what section is going to be my amen corner. Uh, good morning. Good morning, church. Good morning, church. Middle section, I got you today. All right. So glad. We're so glad you came to church. And again, we say it all the time, but um, we just love doing life with you. We're glad you're here. Guests, we're glad you're here. Please don't leave without a gift. And by the way, I don't, I don't know if, if uh, Emily and the baby, which I've never said before, in announcement said this. There's snow cones after, did she say there's snow cones? There's snow cones after church today, right? I'm not making that up, am I? For the, but can I have a snow cone? Is there snow cones for everybody? There's no snow cones today, kids. There might be some snow cones. Okay, all right. You saw nothing. I need a snow cone for the drive home. We have, okay, so good. Um, if you have your Bible today, can you turn to Matthew chapter 4? Matthew chapter 4. Starting a series today called Borders. Borders. I got hooked on this series during COVID called, I think it's called Border Security. Is it, anybody seen that? Anybody get hooked on the Discovery Channel? Am I the only one? I just like, I'm just like, how, how things are made. I'm like, I didn't know how they made springs, but now I'm fascinated. Um, I know what you're thinking. We'll bounce back. No, stop. Don't. Don't. Um, um, thank you for humoring me and just loving us and loving our talents and our, and our puns. But I watch this border security, and it's all about people trying to get into Canada. And, like, I get nervous. I always feel like when I'm going through, can I just, this is confessions. These are my confessions. Every time I go through security at an airport, I feel like I'm a drug smuggler. I'm not smuggling drugs, if you're wondering. I don't. I've never have, never will. Um, but I always feel, anybody else feel guilty? Like, I feel like I'm smuggling Bibles. I feel like I, I'm, I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm just like, make eye contact, don't sweat. I have talking full sentences, don't be nervous. Talking to start a series today about borders. We're talking not about Canadian borders, but about the borders of the kingdom of God. And um, there's a plan for your life, and God is building his kingdom. And I believe that the next few weeks are actually going to be uh, another level of depth for you. And I believe God's going to do something. And today we're going to start that series, and we're so glad you're here today. Matthew chapter 4, I'm going to start reading verse 17. It says, from then on Jesus began to preach. Best preacher ever lived. He said this, he said, repent of your sins and turn to God. Great opener right there. Repent from your sins and turn to God, for the kingdom of heaven is near. One day, as Jesus was walking on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon and also called Peter and Andrew, throwing a net into the water, for they fished for a living. Jesus called out to them, come follow me and, I'll let you, and I will show you how to fish for people. And they left their nets at once and followed him. A little further up the shore, he saw two other brothers, James and John, sitting in a boat with their father, repairing their nets, and he called to them too. And they immediately followed him, leaving the boat and their father behind. Verse 23, Jesus traveled throughout the region of Galilee, teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news of the kingdom. I don't know if you know this, but the word gospel means good news. Preaching the gospel, preaching the good news of the kingdom. And he healed Every kind of disease and illness. It's a new series, Borders, that God's building a kingdom that we are a part of. We, 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 we live in, we have an investment in, we have an interest in. It's important for us. Jesus preached about the kingdom. Today I want to talk, and we start this series, but I believe it's going to be another devil, level of depth, whether you're a Jesus follower or you're uh, on the journey to finding Jesus. I want to talk today about called The Invitation. 
the invitation uh, as week one, as we start this. Let's pray. God, thank you for today. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you can do only what you can do. Thank you that you are here. Father, I pray that you would interrupt us with your good news, with your grace and your power. Father, I pray these next few minutes would be another level of building your church, another level of welcoming your presence, and another level helping our lives. Father, we love you. In Jesus' name, everybody said? Everybody said? Uh, There's 195 countries in the world. I know that because Google told me yesterday when I Googled it. Uh, 195 countries, and I've realized as I travel, and traveling for many are opening back up again, is that every country has its own culture. I don't know if you've realized yet. And yes, we're merging. What's trending in Bogota is also trending in Dartmouth, thanks to the internet and YouTube and TikTok. But there are distinct and specific cultures in every country. And we have people tuning in from all over the world, and we have people um, here today. And I just thought this is always fun when you ask for crowd participation, because anything can happen. And don't leave me hanging today, but this could get interesting. Uh, What are some things, if someone had never been to Canada, maybe those that are watching have never been to Canada, some culture, some things that are unique only to Canadians, that as a Canadian you get this, whether um, you were born in Canada or you've made Canada your home, you're like, this is a culture that is Canadian. What are some things that are distinct or specific that make us unique? Someone from the back, anyone. Did you say poutine? Poutine is a Canadian thing. And I know it's elsewhere, but poutine. Um, Someone else said something. Tim Hortons. Online, I'm not even going to explain it. You can Google Tim Hortons. The term, Timbits. Timmy's, double, double. I love going to Starbucks and seeing some poor soul drugged there by his young adult daughter, and he's trying to order a coffee. He's like, I just want a double, double. He goes, do you want a tall? No, I don't want a tall. I want a small one. That is small. I just give me my Timmy's. Give me, I'm good. Double, double. Someone else, culture. Donair, which is very Eastern Canadian thing. But yes, Donaire is amazing, one of my favorite foods. People are hungry today, I have a feeling. Just people are a little hungry. I'm like, oh, yeah, okay. Snow cones started it off, and here we go. Someone else. Hockey? Hockey. I know there's hockey all over the world, but hockey is Canadian. 100%. Someone else. Sorry? I'm sorry? Sorry? Do we re- I don't know if you realize how much we apologize. Right? Uh, I'm sorry if you didn't know that, but... We don't say excuse me. When I bump into somebody in New York, in Halifax, anywhere, I never say excuse me. I always say I'm sorry. And we say it just like that, sorry. Right? Someone else. You go first. Yeah, no, after you. I I have held the door for people that are miles away. Come on. And don't you feel the pressure at that point? Like, I got to hurry. You know, like, oh, they're holding a door. I cannot. We do that as Canadians. No, after you, after you, after you, after you. 100%. Someone else. Milk in a bag. Milk in a bag. Uh, some of you are like, what? Yes, milk in a bag. We'd, I did not know that was a Canadian thing until I went somewhere else. I'm like, what are you talking about? Ketchup chips. I don't know if you know. I'm in the States, and they're like, what are you talking about? Like, that's disgusting. I'm like, that is amazing. You close your mouth. You know, <laughs> keep my ketchup chips out of your mouth. No, I just, I just, I, uh, I love ketchup chips. Someone else. What? Zed, 100%. We don't say Z. Well done, Tim. We say Zed. I wrote down a couple other things. You guys got most shorts in the wintertime. <laughs> and Crocs. By the way, this is a no Crocs zone. If you have Crocs on, you're free to leave right now. No, I'm kidding. Uh, but we wear, we wear shorts in the wintertime. That's not weird. 100%. That's completely. Um, Thanksgiving is in October here. That's where we do our own thing. 
We're like, oh, Americans, you started Thanksgiving, we're just going to change it. Uh, we have better weather in October. Thanksgiving in October uh, is our thing. Um, you walk into the hospital and get help for free. I know you're thinking, no, it's not. No, we pay taxes. I know. I know it's not free. But what I love is when you, if you break your arm or you're having a heart attack or something's going on, you're never thinking, I can't go because I can't afford it. If you're a Canadian citizen and you show up um, and if you've used the health care, you understand that they are overwhelmed but underappreciated. I am thankful. Though we pay for it in taxes, I am so thankful that my first thought is when an emergency happens, not, nope can't afford it. When I'm rushing my kid, when I'm going through something, I'm so thankful for health care. That's very Canadian. We love it. What else do I have here? I also have, um, I, I, I have um, saying you're sorry, and we have said that. I, we're the most apologetic nation in the world. There's something about Canadian. Wayne Gretzky is Canadian. You just say Gretzky, we're all, you say the greatest one, we're all on the same page. There's something about Canadian. We also have rules as a country. I don't know if you knew this. Specific rules. You know, I looked this up. I, don't know if, I, I did not know this that it's illegal as a Canadian to scare the queen. <laughs> Apparently, it's a royal pain. But true, that's a rule. You cannot scare the queen. <laughs> I've seen her, I haven't seen her recently. I've seen her on TV. I don't think she could take a good scare, so probably a good rule. There's also another one. <laughs> that's another one. It's that you cannot drive your dog sled on a sidewalk. That's a true rule. So if you're watching from away, you think we all have dog sleds. Ours are parked outside. Um, there's special parking for huskies. And... Um, but that is a rule. It's interesting that there are rules. There is culture in every, um, in every country. We have borders. We have laws. We have things that are uniquely Canadian. Today, as we start this series on the kingdom of God, I want to let you know the kingdom of God is mentioned in the New Testament 162 times. Now, we are Jesus followers here. If you're wondering who we are, we're not a church because um, that's too general. We're not just even Christians. That term is so general that there's nations that say they're Christian nations. We are Jesus followers. That really draws a line in the sand. And if you're not a Jesus follower today, our goal today is that when you leave here, that you are more aware of who he is and what he thinks of you, uh, and you'll be drawn to Jesus. But as most in this room and most that are watching online, we are Jesus followers, which means we are passionate about following Jesus. In my life, at the age that I am, what I deal with of being in, in the, the faith this long is I mistake religion for following Jesus. And I'm not going to go there today, but there is this fine line that I can think if I go to church and I give in the offering and I lift my hands in worship and I sing and if I'm nice enough at home that I'm a follower of Jesus. And though following Jesus looks like a lot of those things, there's another level when we follow Jesus. Jesus, when he came and preached, I think it's interesting that he spoke 162 times in the New Testament about the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven. They're interchangeable. In fact, in the book of Matthew, the kingdom of heaven or kingdom of God is mentioned 50 times. There's only 30 pages in my Bible that make up the book of Matthew. So on every page, 1.5 times, the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God is mentioned. It's important. And if we're going to be Jesus followers, and if he said the kingdom of God is central to my message, central to who I am, central to my teaching and raising people, it needs to be important to us. The kingdom of God has borders. And I believe we're going to go to another level today. Jesus prayed for the kingdom to arrive. In fact, uh, he told us the kingdom of God, seek it first, not second, not third. He said, seek first the kingdom of God, Matthew 6, 33. 
He said, seek it first. Jonathan Edwards, the American revivalist and theologian who turned America on its head in the 1700s, this is after all his teaching, all his preaching, all he saw, he said it this way, the seeking of the kingdom of God is the chief business of the Christian life. So my question is, as Christians, as Jesus followers, is it number one in our life to seek the kingdom of God? I don't know if it is for me. I can be a part of a community. I want to know what the kingdom of God is so that I can make it first, I can seek it first, and make it top priority. So, what is the kingdom of God? Who can get into the kingdom of God? Who can cross that border? Who's going to get through security? Who's going to get past those border guards? Uh, Why is it important? Because, again, we're on a journey here, not just to sing songs and smile and have maybe snow cones and have coffee. We're here as Jesus followers to go deeper The kingdom of God is the main teaching of Jesus, and we want to unpack it these next few weeks. And I believe in your life, maybe you've been struggling, maybe you feel numb, maybe you feel like um, you you feel distant. I believe God's going to center you. He's going to invite you to another level, and I believe you're going to see God do something in your life. And it's going to, uh, some things are going to fall off of you, some things are going to uh, be added to your life, and I believe you're going to be a better Jesus follower because of these next few weeks. Matthew 4, 17, we read it. It says, repent. Another way to say that is Jesus is going, hey, everybody, this is important. You're going to need to pay attention to this. Like, hey, repent. You're probably going to have to pay attention and change direction based on what I'm about to say. So heads up, this is really important. He says, repent. The kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven is here. He's making an announcement. And when you think of Jesus, you have to think about the message that he made central to all his teachings and who he wanted us to be. Jesus was all about the kingdom of heaven. It's how Jesus wants to be seen. So here's the question. What do you think about Jesus? That's a question that we have to ask ourselves, and I want to ask you today to think that question. What do you think about Jesus? Because the answer to that question, who is Jesus to you, and what do you think about Jesus, will actually frame how you hear his teachings. If he's only a philosopher to you, like Gandhi or, 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 or Aristotle or someone with great writings and teachings and a philosopher, then that's how you'll see him and that's how you'll see the lens of his teachings. If he's a humanitarian, that's how you'll see him. If he was just a good teacher, that's how you'll see him. How and what do you think of Jesus is a great starting point today. Jesus, when he said the kingdom is here, he was stating he is king. That right there will draw a line in the sand. It will put a line right down the middle. It will divide um, um, both sides because he's saying, listen, I'm more than just a philosopher or a humanitarian. I'm more than just social justice. I'm more than a good man. I'm more than just a teacher. I'm more than just uh, a political figure. I'm more than a historic. I'm actually king of the universe. I'm king of eternity. That's how Jesus wants to be seen. That's why 50 times in Matthew alone in 30 pages and 160 times in the New Testament, he made the kingdom the central theme to his messages, his teaching, and his church. So I ask you again, who is Jesus to you? I believe there's going to be a turning point and there'll be some lines in the sand. I believe some people may walk away from their faith their version of faith because of this series. So encouraging, isn't it? Some of you may want to leave this church. 
you got to understand, we welcome people that aren't Jesus followers. But some of you are going to draw a line in the sand going, I don't want to follow that king. And that's part of our job is to clearly say who Jesus is so you can make a decision on who Jesus is. Others of you have forgotten who Jesus is. And it's going to rekindle a love and a passion and a purpose. We're like, my God, he's more than just Sunday mornings. He's more than just someone I quote. He's more than just my favorite author. He's actually king. And if he's king, that means he has authority. If he has authority, it means things can change in my life. And things you've been putting... Oh, I, I have a hard time doing this sitting down, by the way. You have a hard time putting up with you've been putting up with because the king is in the house. The king is in the room. Things change in your life. Jesus wants to be seen as king. The Bible is a story of kingdom. That's what this is. God establishing kingdom over and over and over. He, in fact, it starts in Genesis, in the first page of Genesis, the very first page of the Bible. He is setting in a kingdom. He sets authority. He sets his rulership. He puts borders. He creates. He puts order and authority, and he creates kingdom. He creates beauty and sets everything in order. Jesus was establishing kingdom. God, the Father, the Trinity was establishing kingdom. On the second page, he creates men and women, and he gives them um, authority. He puts them in charge in Genesis 1.27. He says, you are kings and queens. He says, you're in charge. I've made all this. I want to partner. I want you to walk with me, partner with me. You're made in my image. So you're, you are royalty. I want to put you in charge of this kingdom that I've established, this authority and this order. And he gave us authority. Jesus uh, God the Father, God the Holy Spirit, the Trinity, together establish the kingdom of God. Then what happens every time, we see this in the next part of Genesis, is that people rebel and walk away going, no, I want to do it my way, like Frank Sinatra would say it. I want to do it my way. I think I could do it better. I think I'm actually uh, um, better suited to lead my own life. And they rejected no longer submitting or trusting God. As the serpent came in and said, well, did God really say? And I don't think he has your best interests. And they said, we don't trust God. We don't submit to God. And we walked out and created their own kingdom where they're in charge and they rejected God's authority. In fact, Genesis and Exodus is all about God's kingdom being set, people walking away from it, and then God coming in and frees people from their bondage that they walked into and the slavery they put themselves under, self-made kings that they put over themselves, and then he invites people to live back under his authority and his kingship. That is the story of the Exodus story. The Exodus in the Bible is God delivering people from slavery and sin and getting them out of a kingdom that they put themselves in with their rebellion. That's why it's called the Exodus. They were walking away. And God frees people from bondage and slavery. Exodus 15 uh, they just came through the Red Sea. The Red Sea was parted. God made a dry spot for them to walk through. They had the Egyptians chasing them to get them to come back. God and, and Pharaoh had a boxing match, and God took the gloves off and said, no, 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 I'm freeing my people. Pharaoh tried to get people's, uh, God's people back. God made a way where there was no way, got them through the sea. He Then uh, the sea, you read your Bible, it's not just a fairy tale, it's not just a children's book, it is a miracle of God. He freed God's people, his people, from slavery and rebellion that they walked into freely, but then were bondage. And the first time we ever hear God set as king is in Exodus 15. When they come out of the sea on dry land, they start singing a song. You can read it in Exodus 15. And they start singing this song. And they speak about God. You are the authority. You are the ruler. You are the leader. You are God. You are our king. It's the first time we ever see it. Right after he delivered them from another kingdom. 
That cycle that I just talked about in Genesis and Exodus repeats itself all through Scripture and all through life. It's the exact same thing. We are in that cycle right now. God welcomes us to live under his rule as king. We rebel and and want to be in charge of our own lives. We then mess it up, and we become enslaved in sin and darkness, and we wonder why things don't work out. That's why we have wars and rumors of war and abuse and all the evil things is because we walked up underneath God's authority, his kingdom, said we can do it better. And I've learned this. When you put people in charge, we screw it up. And then God defeats evil. He frees us and invites us to live in his kingdom. And that cycle keeps going over and over and over. Here in Matthew, Jesus is walking in to people that are slaves to sin and oppression. And he says, hey, I've made another way. You've made your choice. I want to invite you back into the kingdom of God. To be a follower of Jesus is to see him as king. This is who Jesus is. To be a follower of Jesus is to see him as king who has freed us from the oppression of sin and see him inviting us to live under his kingdom and his authority. That's what Jesus is. That's what we do when we come here. We're saying Jesus is inviting to free you and then walk underneath his authority and let him be in charge of your life. He's not an add-on. This is not a social club. This is not a gym pass where you swipe to go once a week to go, I feel better about myself. He is saying, come under my kingdom where there's a culture and there are rules and there are blessings and there is a structure and you did it on your own. You got yourself in trouble. I freed you. I paid the price. I defeated sin. I defeated the grave. Now I'm inviting you to come into the kingdom. He invites which is the opposite of how we see mankind build their kingdoms. We're dealing with it right now with Ukraine. People go, I want to make my borders in my kingdom. So they're going in and saying, no, I'm just invading, and I'm going to kill, I'm going to destroy, I'm not going to ask permission. And they dominate, and they push themselves onto another place, going, no, this is mine now, and they enslave. Notice what God does here. God goes, there's a new kingdom, and then he invites. He says in Matthew 4, follow me. He doesn't say, let's go. He says, follow me. When you're in this setting, we're saying, hey, do you want to accept Jesus? Do you want to follow Jesus? There's such a difference. Jesus walks up to people. He heals them in scripture. He frees them from um, demonic influence. He literally uh, makes their life better and then says, hey, do you want to follow me? The contrast between the way mankind builds borders and kingdoms and the way God does is drastically different. He is a serving king. He is a giving king. He's the only king that died for us. And then, even then, he says, you don't have to be a part of the kingdom, but I invite you to follow. Not everyone will follow. The invitation. Jesus sets up his kingdom by teaching and proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, healing people, and then inviting See, in this church today and online, our church online, our church in person, I'm aware there's two crowds in our church. Two crowds. Some of you have already come to the conclusion that when you're put in charge, you only lead yourselves into emptiness. I'm, I'm that crowd. When I'm in charge, I screw it up. When I'm in charge of my life, I lead myself into bondage and darkness and emptiness and pain and regret, and it didn't work out well. There's two crowds. There's some of you, you've realized, when I'm in charge, things go bad. I'm not good enough. I'm not holy enough. I'm not structured enough. I'm not life-giving enough. I'm not pure enough. When left to myself, my life goes to a place of sin and bondage, and it didn't work out well. 
There's some of us that know that. And you know you needed Jesus to be king of your life. Thank you, Jesus, for being king. You are not man that you would lie, that you are God and you are holy, and that you, can, you have a plan for me that's better than my plan. You can do exceedingly abundantly above all that I could ever think, imagine. You are better, you are holier, you were meant to be king, not me. The other crowd are still in another phase where you've yet to decide who Jesus is to you. And we're so glad that you're here. Some of you that are in that crowd that haven't decided yet, you're going to like some of Jesus. You're going to like social justice Jesus. He's really easy to like. He's so kind. Jesus went through scripture looking for the marginalized, people that were pushed to the borders, people that were pushed to the outsides. I love the events that we do, and sometimes we have amazing leaders in our church that look for the marginalized, the youth that walk in but don't know know anybody, and they sit by themselves, or the kids in ministry that walk in, they're quiet, and the good leaders go over and find people on the outskirts and bring them in close, go, no, no, you belong here. Jesus, most of the New Testament is Jesus looking for the marginalized who weren't popular, who didn't have enough money, weren't good looking enough, maybe they weren't the right color skin, maybe weren't the right gender. And he says, no, no, I see you, I value you, I need you, you need to understand I'm here to free you. Social justice Jesus cares about the marginalized and freeing people and healing people. And a lot of people like that Jesus. They love the love of God. They love love Jesus that frees people. He looks for the hurting people, and he's really easy to love, and he is that. He is that. The church needs to be that. We don't need to be on a soapbox or on a stage preaching. We need to be in the streets helping and loving, and that's one thing I love about this community, the generosity of this community. Last year, we gave almost 23% of everything that came in just outside these four walls to help people. Why? Because we believe that part of Jesus is social justice Jesus. Seeing the marginalized, seeing those that are lost and broken, and when no one else is helping, helping them. But there's also a Jesus, part of Jesus, that seeks purity. He also seeks sexual integrity. He wants to direct your money and how you live in relationships. And this Jesus most likely will offend you. And if you haven't been offended by Jesus yet, he's probably not king. Because Jesus will say, no, that's not the direction you need to go. No, we're not doing that today. No, we have a higher standard because that's under the kingdom you were in, that you walked into, that you set up, and it leads only to death. The Bible says the wages of sin, which is missing God's best, which is missing, sin is a term that means, it's an archery term. It means hitting a target. And if you miss the bullseye, it's called sin. And God goes, I have an amazing plan for you of excellence. And when you do anything that misses that, it's actually sin. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. Which means when we go and build our own kingdom that's not what God wanted, we actually start reaping death. And you wonder why relationships die. Your purity dies. Your mental health. Your physical body. You wonder why. Sometimes it's because we've put ourselves in church. And Jesus will offend you. Because he... God doesn't agree with us all the time. If your God only agrees with you, that's social justice, Jesus. But God is king, and the king doesn't always agree with his people. That's why he's king. And he will offend you, and Jesus is going to upset you. Why do we sometimes have no problem giving Jesus our past, but we don't want to give him our future? Why do we like giving him our sin, but we don't want to give him our direction of our life? Why is it we're like, Jesus, would you take my sickness and my disease but just, you're not taking my money. You're not taking my thoughts. You're not, I get to choose who I hang out with, who I'm with, what I do. You can take the bad stuff. No, Jesus is king. And he will upset you. 
And he's both. He's, he's the same Jesus. He's both. And that's the good news of the kingdom. He's all those things. You know what you're never going to hear in scripture? Church, I want to encourage you. Dream team, if you're in the room, production, worship, I need you to listen to me. Primarily, because we're the ones that are really building this church. But I want you all to hear this. Nowhere in scripture are you going to hear the command from Jesus to go build his kingdom. Can't find it. You're never going to hear in scripture, hey, disciples, go advance my kingdom. There is this movement in Christianity, primarily in the evangelical church and churches similar to this, there's this forcefulness that we've got to go build the kingdom of God. We've got to go advance the kingdom of God. And that kind of, that kind of mission and mentality hurts people. It forces people. It, 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 it gets their hands involved and it twists the kingdom of God. In the last two years, the media and the stories have been full of men and women that have been forceful and they've hurt people, they've hurt cities, and they've hurt the kingdom of God. Nowhere in scripture will you see, go build the kingdom of God. Here's what you will hear Jesus ask. Welcome the kingdom of God. Enter the kingdom of God. Seek the kingdom of God. Participate in the kingdom of God. Join the kingdom of God. See, Jesus' job is to advance his kingdom and build this kingdom. Our job, all we have to do, is accept the invitation. And when we join the invitation the church advances. It's not our job, Alex, it's not our job to build the church. It's not our job, Matt, to advance the kingdom. Do you know what our job is? Is to simply hear the invitation and choose to accept it or decline it. And when we accept it, the kingdom kingdom builds. I'm gonna pick on Alex, but he accepted the invitation. And then the love and support and holiness that him and his beautiful wife strive for to be followers of Jesus, that influence advances the kingdom in every coffee shop and and, and boardroom and back room and countryside, wherever they are, the kingdom advances. They don't have to worry about advancing it. All they gotta do is accept the invitation. And it's beautiful to watch. Jesus invites us to participate and he advances it. It's not our job to advance it, but to join it. He invites, we participate. That's where we are every Sunday morning when we come here. We're saying, hey, there's an invitation. The invitation. When you accept the invitation, there'll be small changes for some. Large changes for others when you come into the kingdom of God. Radical shifts in culture. Some of you, your lives, you're like, it's not a big difference going to the kingdom of God. Others of you, it's a radical change going, that's not the way I think. That's not the culture I'm a part of. That's not what I believe. That's not the way I've been ruling my life. That's not the way I've been directing myself. That's not the way I've been doing this. And it's a radical shift. But here's what Jesus does is he comes into people's lives in scripture and he heals them and he delivers them and he sees them and he loves them. And then he invites them to join. And all our job as a church is to create an environment where Jesus can be king because he won't force people, he won't push people, he doesn't demand people, he heals people, he delivers people, he loves people, and then he says, follow me. And then people decide they wanna follow. I've been in this long enough where I realize I need to follow Jesus because I can't do it on my own. I've tried, and I've seen pastors try to lead churches on their own, they screw it up. I've seen men try to lead their families and they screw it up. I've seen women try to lead businesses and they screw it up. Character and integrity fall to the side, but we say, Jesus, I know if I'm in control, this goes bad. Bondage and slavery, but you freed us 
And now you're welcoming us into your kingdom. These next few weeks, I want you to hear clearly the invitation from Jesus to follow him in the king, into the kingdom. Some of you, it's a reminder of the borders and the culture and the authority that he has. It's going to excite you. Others, you're going to make to a choice going, that's not the culture I know. That's not the decisions I've made. That's not how I do my life. And it's going to be a radical shift. But I promise he'll meet us there at that decision. He's so good. His burden's not heavy, it's light. And he'll meet you. And my fear is some of you walk in here on Sundays and you maybe have said a prayer when you were five, but you're not understanding and you're not enjoying Jesus as king. And it changes everything. We don't need to build it. We don't, we don't need to build the kingdom. We don't need to advance it. We don't need to fight for it. We just need to accept the invitation and let him rule our lives. That's what king means. He's in charge. I just got to accept and obey. And then something starts to happen. And I believe some of you are going to have a reminder the kingdom of God is here. And he's inviting you to the kingdom. To cross the border from a kingdom of self-governing, being a slave to sin culture. And Jesus, even right now, is interrupting and he's inviting right now to follow him where he is king. And to accept his invite to free you, to heal you, and to follow him into the kingdom. That's what the journey we're on for the next few weeks. And I'm excited about it because I need to be reminded that he's not my best friend, though he's my friend. He's not my encourager, though he encourages me. He's not just my healer. He's not just my deliverer. He's my king. And when he's my king, things drop off your life. Darkness flees. And you're set where God puts you in a place where you feel like royalty because God is that good. If you're feeling tired today, if you're feeling numb, feeling dark, you're feeling bondage in your life, I say I want you to hear the invitation. Let Jesus free you and heal you and then hear him say, follow me. The kingdom of God is here. I don't know how to close this service. <laughs> I'm just going to cry by myself up here. Someone could bring me a snow cone. That'd be wonderful. Matt, can you lead us for a moment? Can you just bow your head where you are? Can you just take a moment online, in person, and hear the invite? That's what I'm asking. Hear the invite from heaven to a kingdom beyond compare, to a king that's more than good. darkness would run. I pray right now bondages that held people down, that they felt the heaviness and the, the chains of addictions and mindsets and illnesses would drop off in the presence of the king. And 
God, I pray right now from the back to the front, from every screen that's represented online, that we would hear you simply say, look us in the eye with a smile and say, follow. You're invited. God, help us answer that question. Help us to accept that invitation. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen, amen, amen. Church, I'm excited for the next few weeks. I'm excited to see what God wants to do as he draws some borders in your lives. He is king, and he is good, amen. We love you so much. Have an amazing week. The coffee is free and flowing. Guess the wall is there with your gift. There may be snow cones. If there's not, blame Nancy. Grab your kids, and we'll see you next Sunday morning. God bless. Thank you.